Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. And welcome to another edition of Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz. I am Andrea Schwartz. And I am Nancy Wilk. Good morning to you, friend. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about the ninth commandment. And I will read it. It says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And we all know that the mom paraphrase is, Do not tell a lie. But I'm sure, as in all the uh, previous commandments, there is more to this story than initially meets the eye. So, Andrea, would you please extrapolate and open that up for us a little bit? Certainly. Well, just to give you an idea of how extensive a subject it is, R.J. Rush Juni, in his landmark book, The Institutes of Biblical Law, has 21 chapters or sections in this chapter on thou shalt not bear false witness. So it's a little bit more than don't lie. Now, like so many things, and previously when we went through the other commandments, uh, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's what most people know, except there's more to it than that if you actually read the original scripture. And so a lot of things have been truncated and a lot of things have lost their meaning And I don't think it's been accidental. I think it's been very much on purpose because if you have wolves in sheep's clothing, they don't identify themselves as wolves, but what they do is they steer the sheep in the direction that will ultimately be the sheep's demise. So let's unpack thou shalt not. Okay. So this is stated in the negative. This is something you're not supposed to do. Bear false witness, false meaning not true. Witness, Mm -hmm. meaning giving a testimony or an account against your neighbor. Okay, so let's start with the last part, against your neighbor. Well, when Jesus was asked, who's my neighbor? The person asking the question wanted it to be very narrow answer. But Jesus basically turned it around and said, who was a neighbor to that man? So when we talk about not bearing false witness against our neighbor, we're talking about those people we come in contact with. And now when we're talking not to bear false witness, we have to understand what true witness means. Now, in this book that I mentioned by Rush Dooney, he talks about Jesus Christ as the true witness. So the Bible is telling us not to be a false witness. So who is our model as the true witness? Well, the true witness is Jesus Christ who identifies himself not only as the way and the life, but with the designation of the truth. And the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth. So if we're going to talk about how to bear false witness or that we shouldn't bear false witness, it isn't for parents, especially in families. Did you eat that cookie? No, I didn't eat that cookie. Well, then there's chocolate all over the kid's mouth. It's like, well, it's pretty obvious he ate the cookie. Mm -hmm. It has to do with a life of integrity 
that is consistent with all of God's word. And that's the foundation. Mm, mm, I see. So in order to be able to, um, to understand this, we have to recognize who God is and, and Christ and, and have a, a properly identify with him first. Otherwise everything, everything will be false. You see, the Bible is very clear. It's against people bearing false witness. It's against lying. And at the very conclusion of the Bible, it says that among those who will not enter in the kingdom of heaven are those who are liars and foster lies. So let's go back to why do most people homeschool? Well, it isn't because they get the praise of their family and friends. It isn't because it's the best financially remunerative activity one can do. And it isn't because um, it's easy. They do it because they want to instill a biblical world and life view to their children. So in actual fact, by making the radical move to provide a Christian education, whether it's in the homeschool or a, a really faithful Christian school, they're endeavoring not to bear false witness. You see, if you teach history, if you teach science, if you teach um, literature and grammar of all things without a biblical framework, you're bearing false witness to the truth mm. as embodied in Jesus Christ. Right. Well, um, you say, and that that's why most people homeschool and that may be true, but not everybody starts there, you know? So, so maybe you start somewhere else, you know, um, your kid has allergies and they're, they're sick all the time at school. Maybe they start for another reason, but I do think that more as we grow in our relationship with the Lord and, um, and continue to read his word and be sanctified through um, through that word in the Holy Spirit, we grow in our understanding of the things that God has called us to do. So if somebody is not like fully embracing that right now, that doesn't mean that they're, that they should, that homeschooling is still good. You know, there's lots of reasons for homeschool. That's why I homeschool because it is my firmly held religious belief that God has given the responsibility uh, uh, training the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to the families and not the state. So right. that's why we have to do it. Okay, but let's but, be clear about something, Nancy. If okay. you homeschool and you teach that you teach the children who you're homeschooling that they descended from apes, that there's nothing in them that makes them unique, and that it's okay to end life if you find it unfortunate or you're, it's okay to take your own life if you decide that life is too hard. Just because you homeschool, if it's not based on God's truth, you still are bearing false witness. And that's sure. a serious offense. I mean, to say liars, will, it doesn't say people who go through traffic lights. It doesn't say people who um, you know don't eat healthy, they won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. It says those who lie and foster a lie. Right. But also, Andrea, the homeschooling isn't a magic bullet. We have to understand these things and not bear false witness, whether we're homeschooling or not homeschooling. Right. And I would hope that people who embrace this idea and say, why do I have my children in a public school? 
you know, the, the issues about morality, the issues about life, the issues about origins, all these things, if they're not grounded in the truth, as embodied by Jesus Christ and the word of God made flesh, in other words, then people are living a lie. And then we have this view that says we can be relativistic. Mm -hmm. so, so, for example, how many people have you heard say, I think abortion is awful? but I don't think people should restrict other people's right to do it. Too That's many. a lie. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. It is. Right. right. And I know a lot of believers who are hesitant to call other professing believers out on this because they think, wow, it, I don't want to be disagreeable. I don't want to be unloving. Mm -hmm. right. Yes. Yes. So we how do, do you, yeah. So how do you start this in the family? So because communication is a part of life, from the earliest opportunity, your children should know that you expect the truth, even if the truth could bring them bad consequences. And so you instill the idea of the truth. You give examples. The Bible is full of examples of people who told the truth and people who lied. And that's why giving family accounts, because when we're talking about Jacob's sons lying to him, we're talking about our ancestors in the faith. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. There, there's whole veins of thinking that in which we're, we are contrary to God and maybe don't even realize it yet. So we yeah. bear false witness in ways we don't even know. Well, I would say... If you looked, you would see them. But if since we everybody is so conditioned into thinking, you know, I don't do the really bad things in life, therefore I'm okay. If I tell a little white lie here, what's a white lie as opposed to a black lie? In other words, are there some untruths that God says, oh, wow, um, we'll let that one go because it's just about the cookie jar. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. If, if young people do not learn that the truth sets them free, not some excuse or some justification for bad behavior because it comes back to haunt them. Sure. And then they grow up and maybe they become research scientists and maybe the results of their tests don't confirm what they wanted it to confirm and they decide to fudge the numbers or fudge the results. Hmm, they're mm. bearing false witness. And it's going to affect people. Or what if um, you're somebody who uh, is has to say yes or no to something that it's within the law or outside the law, but you decide that the law is too harsh here and you want to make it lenient because you like this person. You see, if people are used to not standing on truth, the consequences get a lot more um, pronounced when they're older. And that's why you train up a child in the way that child should go, because then it'll be ingrained. It's not that they can't sin afterwards, but they will. They're already without excuse, but they'll be doubly without excuse. Right. And the and, you know, to recognize that God is, is the one that establishes truth, because you can say, did did you lie about stealing one cookie or did you really steal two cookies? And you could be, you know, say, oh, yeah, well. I'll tell the truth. I really did steal two cookies. And um, when that is, that's a, a small example of the fact that we are at odds 
before God. Right. Children should learn and adults should remember that no matter where you go, God is watching and God is present. And you're the fool if you think that somehow or other in succeeding to fool someone else, you fooled God. And because the ceiling doesn't come in crashing on you immediately, you figure you got away with it. Right. But that's not how God operates. Mm -hmm. He has forbearance, opportunity, mm -hmm. but we don't know the mind of God in terms of when enough is enough. Mm -hmm. So here's a practical example. So okay. you walk into a room and your children are having a dispute and you say, what happened? Right. And one says he did this because he wanted to do this. And then he did this and blah, 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 blah. Well, how much of that explanation is truth and how much of that is editorial and how much of that is throwing a little bit more stuff to get you on my side. Right. And so as a parent, rather than just saying, stop fighting, right? It's an opportunity to unpack. All right. I want to know true testimony here. And if you're discovered to have lied, right, because now we're in the subject of ultimately a person perjures himself. And we just recently had this in our culture with one person making an allegation, but then there's no evidence. And then was it perjury or not? Most people don't realize how serious perjury is, but where does it start? It starts with our elders allowing us to get away with justifications for things because sometimes they're just too busy or they're just so tired of the arguments or the fights. So right. like every other commandment, the home is the best school for children to learn and parents to faithfully apply the idea that God's word is a word for every area of thought, speech, and actual action and living. Right, right. I had an experience years ago as a single mom at work. And, you know, as a single mom, if you got a job, you don't want to lose that job. But I had an employer who was trying to dodge a phone call. And somebody would call and take a message and he wouldn't call him back. He'd call again and he wouldn't call him back. And he'd call again, he wouldn't call him back. And finally, you know, he was, he said, can tell him I'm not here. And I looked my employer in the eyes, shaking in my boots. And I said, sir, if your employee will lie for you, it won't be too long after that, that they will lie to you. And he said, oh, he got up, walked away from his desk and uh, went and stood in the hall. And he said, well, can you tell him that I'm away from my desk at the moment? I said, <laughs> yes. So, you know, that was you know, that, that was technically true. I knew what he was saying. He knew what I was saying, but it, it does. If we don't, if we're not willing to tell the truth in the little ways, when it, when it's about cookies or a telephone call, or if somebody's in the office or not, then, then we'll, we'll lie about anything. We'll say anything to anybody, no matter whatever they want to hear so we can get what we want. And that includes the terminology of expediency, doing what works, being pragmatic, and then being relativistic. It's true if I say it's true. Now, I mentioned before how every subject 
is going to either be taught in terms of truth or in terms of a lie. Well, let's take the whole gender issue. Okay. Um, that's that's going to make a lot of people happy oh, that we're bringing up the gender issue. Well, when I was growing up, the only way gender was referred to was in a grammatical sense. If you said, um, John went to the store and now you were going to refer back to John, instead of saying John went to the store and John bought groceries and then John got back in his car, the pronoun he would be used. So it, yes. it's a grammatical construction to show agreement with things. We also have a grammatical construction in terms of number. If I say John went to the store, then I have to say he did something. <coughs> I don't say they because John is not a they. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Increasingly over the years, they has become acceptable into the vernacular, but it's grammatically incorrect if you have singular. So in, in, in a construction and grammar, you want to have agreement in number, gender, and tense, you know, past, present, or future. So you wouldn't say, I am driving and I saw, and, and, and I'm currently saw something. In other words, I'd stay in the present or I'm in the present talking about something in the past. So this may seem like, why is she talking about grammar? Well, because when you change the language, you can change the meaning. And so now in the whole, instead of identifying people as male or female, the sexes that God created, we now have genders and we want to have a, a, a number of genders. And that's why the they then comes in handy because now I don't have to say he or she. And so when feminists said, instead of saying mankind and when man does this, he does that, they wanted you to say he or she. It's kind of like that got cumbersome. Everybody knew up until that point we were talking about human beings, right? But right. we changed that into then they. So grammatically, we were living a lie in terms of the structure of the language, right? Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, now there are new pronouns that people get to choose and you're supposed to abide by their pronouns. That's a lie. At its it root, is. there are two kinds of people God created, male and female, he created them. Let's go right back to Genesis. And interestingly enough, the fall of man had everything to do with a lie. You will be as gods, determining for yourself right and wrong. So right. the fall was the result of believing and acting on a lie. Hmm. And shame on us if we don't appreciate the fact that uh, there are consequences to that. Mm -hmm. And as um, as Christ, we are supposed to represent him, identify with him. Um, and and he is truth. Right. Currently in the media, we have people making accusations of fake news, fake this, fake that. Well, has anybody asked the question, how do we define truth? Yeah, no, in a no. relativistic world, there is no such thing as truth. In a relativistic right. world, there is no such thing as right and wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, another point I want to make is that it's okay. very easy as a parent, without knowing it, to encourage lies. And this is where you've got to discipline yourself. I remember causing my son to lie. I mean, he had done something wrong. 
there was a hole in the speaker. He had stuck his finger in the speaker. It was the size of his finger. I knew his father had not stuck a hole in the speaker and I know I hadn't. And since only three of us lived there at the time, it was obvious. So I came in and said, I'm mad at you. Did you put your finger through the speaker? And his answer was no. And then the next thing I discovered is I couldn't find him and he was in bed because that was sometimes the way in which he was disciplined. You have to go to bed, right? And I was like, why are you in bed? He goes, because I stuck my finger through the speaker. <laughs> okay. So um, did I make it easy or hard for him to tell a lie? You made it easy for him to lie. Right. Yeah. And, and by making it easy, I didn't, re you know, reduce his guilt. You know, as it turned out, it was an accident. He wasn't trying to destroy the speaker. Right. So a better way, and I got better at this over time, is to say, could you come over here? Yes. Okay. What's that? That's a speaker. You know, there wasn't a hole in it this morning, but there's a hole in it now. Yeah. I was wondering what would happen if I, you know, whatever. And so now instead of turning it into a catastrophe and I'm angry or whatever it is, you know, I might not like the fact that he put his finger through the speaker, but I was encouraging truth at that point then, as opposed to letting it be really obvious. What did you do? And then the answer yeah. is nothing, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and we can also, I think, encourage it by, by permitting the, their stories to go on and on and on, you know, what else happened and, you know, and why else is your little brother in trouble? What else did he do? And, and encouraging them to to um, be be tattling and gossiping and all that's part of bearing false witness as well. Great. So if parents think that um, it's important, for example, if your car breaks down, to go to a mechanic that knows what he's doing, I would say it's really important for parents if you're going to govern your children in any way, shape or form to know what you're doing. And mm -hmm. the Bible, yeah, it's a big book, but it's not an overly big book. It can be read and it can be applied. And there's plenty of ways in which to get help to doing so. But this is what it means that mothers shape the culture. What you tolerate at home will be tolerated in the culture. Sure. What you don't tolerate at home, then your children won't go out and think that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. One of the scriptures, um, the scripture is full of instructions for us. All, all of it is useful for instruction. But there's a scripture verse that particularly comes to my mind. And it, it says, come, my children, and listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from lies. Seek peace and pursue it. So, you know, there's plenty of Proverbs. Proverbs is written to the young and the simple and those that want wisdom. And it's very easy to to see this is wise. This is foolish. This is true. This is a lie. This is this is the way this is a path of righteousness. And this is, ends in death. And so if we don't know, God says that he he teaches us and gives us wisdom. So we we are without excuse. We're without excuse, but we also 
additionally have the Holy Spirit. We have the written word. We have redemption in Christ. We really are without excuse when it when it comes to learning and applying these things in every area of life and teaching exactly. them to our children. We 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 cannot um, uh, we can't deny our our Christ and um, remain in in, um, uh, in ignorance of His Word. You know, right? Exactly. Now I entitled this. Do you mean what you say and say what you mean? Mm. Okay. Now yeah. that's true. We can get into the habit of not saying what we mean mm -hmm. and we can get into the habit of not meaning what we say, but behind that, we need to have this understanding and foundation of what's true. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say, well, you never lie in any circumstance ever. Well, the Bible doesn't say in the actual commandment, it says, don't bear false witness. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that everybody who asks you a question is entitled to an answer. And this is one of the things you have to teach children because I'm told now in some of the state schools, they're encouraging children to spy on their parents by going in and checking the drawers and telling their teacher if the parents own a gun or things that are happening in the, in the household, which is very much like what the Soviet Union was like under communism. And so just because someone asks you a question doesn't mean you have to give an answer. So for example, early on when I started homeschooling, it wasn't that fashionable to homeschool. And so if we were out and about during the day, um, people would like, why aren't you in school, right? Mm -hmm. And so I taught my children to say, we're having an in-service day. They didn't have to say, we homeschool because we think the state schools are bad and they don't honor God and his word, at, you know, because the chances are the person behind the cash register was just trying to make conversation. Right. But we don't, we're not obligated to tell people things that's not their business or their jurisdiction. Just because somebody is a teacher at a school doesn't mean especially if you're going to be faithful biblically, that that usurps the parent's um, authority and jurisdiction, which is another good reason not to place your children, your Christian children, especially in a state school, because you're placing them under the authority of those who don't have a problem infringing on the rights of the family or you know, perpetuating lies. Right, because they're not teaching what's true about God. No. That, that, that's another lie. Right. Exactly. And so we have to be grounded on what is true and what is right. And this isn't a license for then children to be cruel. Right. So if you, if a child thinks, I think that person um, looks fat, let's use that because kids will say things like that. Well, that doesn't mean every thought you have needs to be communicated. So, you know, the difference between, being polite, being kind, and being unkind. But when it comes to what took place, and it's important to know what took place, the child has to know that by lying, he or she is going to destroy trust. And trust, once gone, is very hard to get back. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that needs to be taught early. And it's not a bad idea, and I certainly did this, 
in terms of teaching my children stories from my past on, well, when I was little, this is what I did. These were the consequences and it was wrong. And children understand that. Nobody likes to get in trouble for something they didn't do. So relate the stories. Look at the stories within scripture where no good thing came out of a lie. And then you're teaching them the boundaries God has set in place. Right, right, right. So so grandma might grandma might be fat, but it's you don't have to go go telling it, right? Right. That's, that's and that's not even the point. That's not the essence of grandma anyway, or you have gray hair. I, I remember once my granddaughter looked at me. If you see the bottom part of my hair, it's still darker than the top part of my hair. And she said to me, grandma, you have two color hairs. I said, yeah. She goes, I like the dark. I like the bottom part better. Right now, some people might be horrified that she said that. Well, she, first of all, she wasn't doing it to be unkind. So mm -hmm. maybe we have to be less sensitive when people are not trying to be hurtful, they're just being observant. And for children, sometimes they want to have something to say. So, you know, I do have two color hairs, or, you know, or, or when children will say, how old are you? And you'll hear their parents say, don't ask that question. It's like, that's not an improper question, especially since I just asked the child how old she how was. Old she was. <laughs> right. And so I'll, you know, and, and I usually turn it into something to make the parents not feel so bad. So I'll say, well, how old do you think I am? And, you know, a hundred. Oh, okay. No, not quite a hundred, but that was a pretty good guess. <laughs> I'm closer to a hundred than I am to zero. So definitely antique. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, this is a big subject. We scratched the surface. I would encourage those who listen to this to check out on the Calcedon website. Um, there are a whole series of lectures, 21 of them on the ninth commandment. And you know, you can jump right in and find one that is particularly of interest to you because it's not like you have to do it in sequence. It's good to do the, the lectures or the book in sequence. But there's a lot of things that maybe people haven't thought of in terms of are they bearing false witness and should they change? Right. So, folks, if they want to um, to look at the Ninth Commandment, one of those 22 um, sections on the Ninth Commandment or any of the other ones, they can just go browse the topics that um that relate to that um to that main commandment and absolutely um yeah. i have a quick question how um how when um dr rusjuni put these together and decided what section went uh associated with which commandment how did he do that because it seems like 20 22 that's a lot of ways to you know, to connect, um, not, not to lie. Can you answer that real quick? Um, I can answer by speculation as opposed to, I never sat down and asked him. Okay. Um, okay. I think he was looking at the many faceted ways that this commandment is violated. And so mm -hmm. he would, he would break up, for example, the subject of slander, which is, bearing false witness, right? But he wouldn't just leave it at that. He brought it into slander within marriage. Um, he would talk about the court system because you see the whole idea of bearing false witness and or not bearing false witness is all about how we have a judicial system that will do what God intended for it to do. If witnesses think that they can lie and there are no consequences, then they'll lie, why not? 
But right. what most people don't even understand that biblical perjury isn't then a slap on the wrist. If I say, I saw Nancy kill someone and it turns out I am lying. And it turns out that if Nancy had been convicted, she would have lost her life because she took someone else's life. The person who perjures then has that consequence falling on them. So wow. people are gonna think twice about lying and bearing false witness in a godly society. Right, and we didn't even, um, we just touched on it in the home. We didn't even really get into much discussion about it in terms of the legal process. So there really is a lot there. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I didn't bring that up is because, you know, we don't bring our children before the judge usually, um, things like that. But this is where the foundation is laid so that if somebody wants you to lie and maybe it isn't tell them I'm not here like your boss, maybe, you know, you found out that your boss is committing adultery and his wife calls up and he says, tell her I'm not here. In other words, it can balloon more and more. If people know that you will not lie. In today's society, you might not get promoted. You might not become the head of the organization because it that organization may be based on lying, but you'll remain true to your witness to God and witness to other people. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Well, thank you for your time, Andrea. We've scratched okay. the surface, but um, we'll be looking forward to next week. Thank you so yes, much. Indeed. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.